three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglul. Great to have you here. In today's edition of the program, we're going to break down the Bears' new schedule, talk about wins and losses in just a second, Plus a brand new interview today with Mark Potash, the Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. We talk with him extensively about the Bears draft, their schedule for next year, and so much more. It's a great interview that comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglul. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. I don't know how many games the Bears are going to win this year. <laughs> Just want to say it right off the bat. So if I'm wrong, or in a couple of months, I predict six and the Bears win nine. I predict five, the Bears win 10. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> That's the hard part about predicting what the Bears will do with this schedule. Teams change. Personnel changes. Coaches change. Conditions change in game conditions. So it's really hard to predict in May what the Bears will do in December or January of next year. We don't know how any of these teams are going to shake out either. We can make predictions and assumptions based on last year, but we can't do it for now in this moment or in a couple of months. Maybe the 49ers end up trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe Trey Lance will start game one. We don't know yet. A lot of these things we don't know yet. Is Daniel Jones going to start for the Giants in week four? Who's going for the Commanders week six? We don't know. That's the point of schedule predictions. They're fun to do, and they give you a good idea of what to expect somewhat for the new year, but there are tons of variables that we can't even decipher or count when we make these predictions. I'm not trying to cover up my own ass. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll say it. But don't expect this thing to be 100% correct. (laughs) At the end of the day, I have no clue what's going to happen for any of these teams in the next three, four, five months. It's anybody's guess at this point. Just want to make sure I make it clear for all of you. Want to go through this schedule, weeks one through 18. We'll break down each game. At the end, we'll talk about where the Bears could stand Based on my prediction here in May. Here we go. Week one, 49ers at noon 
at home. Believe it or not, I think this could be a win for the Bears. And here's why. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo, the Bears could game plan defensively and easily take over the game. Jimmy Garoppolo is good for at least one to two interceptions per game. And if not, he throws shorter passes, high completion percentage, but also prone to mistakes. I've called him a high-tech Mitch Trubisky before, and I'll continue to say so. The reason his passer rating is so high is because of his completion percentage. That's it. He throws just as many interceptions, if not more, than Mitchell Trubisky. And their touchdown-to-interception ratio from a career standpoint is pretty much similar. If you game plan for Garoppolo, you're going to be fine. Trey Lance, that's the wild card factor. But here's what I'll say about Lance. Inexperienced, going to be his first full year potentially as the starting quarterback, taking first-team reps. This is a different situation for him, for a guy who only played one year in college total. The Bears' defense will have a field day with whomever is going to be playing quarterback. Their big problem is going to be containing the run, containing Debo Samuel, and that could end up bailing out the 49ers. But I do believe this could be a win for the Bears week one. They would shock everybody, and it may be one of the only times you'll see the Bears in first place in the NFC North. So make sure you got your cameras ready to take that picture of the standings when they put them up after game one. It's going to be a win for the Bears. We go to week two at Green Bay. That's an obvious loss. Sorry, I'd love to sit here and tell you the future's here and the Bears will win. They'll beat Green Bay on the road at Lambeau. Not going to happen. We know where Green Bay is and we know where the Bears are right now. (laughs) Even without Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers is still king in Green Bay and he's going to do great. He's going to carve up the Bears like he always does. It's going to be a humiliating loss and it's a matter of how bad the Bears will lose in prime time on Sunday night football. Yikes. One and one. Texans week three. That should be a win. Lovey Smith, by the way. How do you like that? He's coming back to Chicago. That should be an interesting game. Although the Texans personnel-wise are much weaker and in a much worse position than the Bears. Davis Mills will be starting at quarterback. That should be a great game to watch, by the way, to compare Mills and his development at Justin Fields, how they both worked out. Mills, ironically enough, had a very good rookie year despite the record and despite the players around him. 16 touchdowns, 10 picks, not bad at all. He was the highest-rated rookie passer last year out of any quarterback. Mac Jones slid at the end of the season. Davis Mills continued to be consistent and produce. Talk about a surprise for a guy from Stanford whom nobody really talked about. So I'm curious to see how he does against the Bears' defense. He's still younger, though. I think the Bears should be able to win that game. Now they're going to start at 2-1 here in 2022. That's at least my guess. At the Giants, week four at noon, this should be another win for the Bears. I would be shocked if they lost this game. Daniel Jones is on his fifth-year option. He needs to prove himself this year. And Daniel Jones, frankly, is not a good quarterback. Daniel Jones is a bust, and he sucks. And maybe there weren't many other options in that draft for the Giants. I get it. It was a horrible quarterback draft, but still, bad quarterback. Bust for where he was picked. Top 10. Sucks. Has done nothing. Mitch Trubisky's done more than him. Anybody's done more than him. They're holding on to him for a new year to work with Brian Dable. It's not going to work. The Bears will easily win that game. They're going to be at 3-1 and one through four weeks, which is exciting, to say the least. Week five, they're going to be at Minnesota. 
here's where it gets a bit fishy. They're going to be on the road against Captain Kirk Cousins, Delvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. I think at the end of the day, this one will come down to a close field goal, potentially. The Bears will lose this one just by virtue of being on the road. I will say I could see a situation easily, which the Bears sweep the season series against Minnesota. But I have my doubts about the Bears playing well against them on the road against Kirk Cousins in a noon game. Remember, not a primetime game. It's noon. Noon Kirk Cousins is 10 times different than primetime Kirk Cousins. (laughs) Noon Vikings football is 10 times different than primetime Vikings football. (laughs) I don't see the Bears winning this one. Going to be a close game, but probably a loss in the end. That's going to put the Bears at three and two through five weeks. Commander Thursday night football on Amazon. Interesting. The Bears should easily win this. I have no clue who their quarterback's going to be. Who? Taylor Heineke? Sam Howell from North Carolina? Whoever it's going to be doesn't really matter. The Bears are going to win this game. Commanders have a great defensive front, no question. Good offensive line, too. A couple of former Bears there, including Charles Leno, who made the Pro Bowl last year, but still. Justin Fields, I think, needs to win this game, too. I know the commanders have a good defensive situation. This is primetime Thursday night. You're facing a team that's obviously not going anywhere. you got to win this game if you're Justin Fields. You have to take control of this game, and this is going to be one of those games to me that I circle up on my calendar. I want to see what he does. Primetime commanders, not much expectations from them. How's Justin Fields going to do in primetime? Will he show development by week six of his sophomore year against a pretty bad team? Can he pull it off? I do think the Bears indeed win, but I want to see how Justin Fields does in this one. They're going to be at four and two through six weeks. Monday Night Football, New England. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on that call. I'm conflicted. I'd love to sit here and tell you the Bears are going to pull this one out because it's going to be Fields against Mac Jones, two guys from the same quarterback class. Jones, obviously, is a much better team around him. That's why he put up the numbers that he did. But Bill Belichick is notorious for messing up offensive rookie quarterbacks. And I have a feeling in this one, Justin Fields is going to be stymied. I hope not. I hope he proves me wrong. I'm a little bit concerned about it, though. This will end in the Bears' loss, unfortunately. It's going to put them back down to 4-3 and three through Week 7. Week 8, Dallas at Dallas, noon, no thanks. That's going to be a loss for the Bears. Put them at 4-4. Four and four. Good luck facing off against Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. I know Elliott isn't what he once was, but when you're in Dallas for a noon game against Dak, against Zeke, and your run defense isn't that good, going to be a tough one for the Bears. They're going to drop to four and four. They got the Dolphins week nine. This one, I genuinely do not know how it's going to go. They're going to be at home. The Bears historically have not been that good against the Dolphins, but then again, if they're starting Tua Tunga by Aloha, there's a way to defend Tua. I like Tua, but there's a way to defend him. Got to get him moving out of the pocket. His arm strength is not as good as other quarterbacks. If you make him throw the football, if you force him to throw, if you make him run around and then throw it off balance, off his back foot, it's going to be short naturally. There will be tons of interceptions. So there is a way in which the Bears could win. The question is, can they play to that game plan 
and mess up Tua and have him flustered. Don't know. I feel like they could potentially. I'll give them the win on this one to put them at five and four. Lions week 10, six and four. That's self-explanatory. <laughs> at Atlanta. Interesting game. The return of Ryan Pace and Phil Embry. Everybody's in Atlanta. I really hope the Bears stick it up their butt. Oh, I really hope they do. To Phil Emery and to Ryan Pace, I hope they kick their ass in that Week 11 game. Quarterback situation there is going to be different. No more Matt Ryan. Younger team, rebuilding still. I think the Bears could actually pull it off, and that's going to put them at 7-4, and four, believe it or not, according to my prediction for Week 11. This is interesting. Week 12 at the Jets, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. I love this, by the way. This is the third time we're talking about quarterbacks from the same class facing off. We didn't see that much last year, so I'm very much looking forward to all these games. The Niners, the Jets, New England. They got two guys in each game who were drafted around the same time and who have different steps of progression, different steps in where they are career-wise, it's going to be so interesting to watch and compare what they're both going to do. The Bears should win this game, which would technically put them at 8-4, and four, and this is interesting. I have not reviewed this schedule before talking to you. I wanted to do this live, so that's going to put them at 8-4. and four. Packers, week 13, that's a loss, even at home, make it 8-5 and five going into the bye. You got four games left. Eagles. I don't think so. Going to put them at eight and six, even at home. The concerning part with the Eagles is they have good offensive weapons. Jalen Hurts is back. Say what you want about Jalen Hurts. He led the Eagles to a playoff appearance last year. I know he still has to prove himself more, but Hurts is a bona fide dual threat. He is. He rushes for a good amount of yards, could throw the ball to 3,000 plus passing yards last year, 500 plus rushing yards. Not a bad quarterback at all. And the Eagles made the playoffs with him and a rookie head coach, Nick Sirianni. So I think at that point, the Bears will drop to eight and six. Bills, automatic loss, eight and seven. Sorry. I'd love to say the Bears have a shot in that game, but you got Josh Allen. You got Sean McDermott scheming defensively against Justin Fields. Even if they're at home, it's not going to work. That's the Christmas Eve game. So, But the Bears at 8-7 and seven with two more games to go. They'll get Detroit week 17 on New Year's Day. That should be a win, which would put them at 9-7. and seven. Then week 18 versus the Vikings at 9-7. and seven. At home, I feel like a lot of that's going to depend on Playoff implications for both teams. What if the Vikings are, for example, at the top of the division? Highly doubt it, but what if they are? Maybe they'll sit starters. Maybe the Bears will do the same, depending on where they are, or vice versa. We don't know. But right now, I will pick the Bears to win that one. They lost in my predictions earlier on the road against the Vikings. I'll say they win this one, which would put the Bears tentatively at 10 and 7, according to my predictions. Now, this is much better than I expected out of them. I still don't think this will get them to the playoffs, though. 10 and 7 will put them in the hunt. And at the end of the day, if the Bears go 10 and 7, 
That is a wild success for this season, no doubt. For Eberflus, for Poles, for Justin Fields, everybody wins if the Bears go 10-7. and seven. Everybody. This team's going to look so good going into 2023 with cap space, with positivity, with a renewed confidence in Justin Fields, a renewed confidence in this coaching staff, this GM, everybody. If the Bears even went 9-8, and eight, I'd be pretty happy. 8-9. and nine. Anything better than 6-11, and 11, I think, it calls for a celebration. I don't want to be a moral victory guy. I'm not a moral victory guy. But when you look at what's happened in the past three or four months, even, when it comes to this Bears franchise, there's been drastic change, and there's been so much at once that we forget about what exactly has happened. There's a new head coach. There's a new GM. There's a second-year quarterback who had a horrible time last year who needs to develop. There are a bunch of one-year contracts and players who will be gone at the end of this season. You're expecting tons of roster turnover going into this year, then more come the year after. Got a sophomore quarterback trying to develop, new head coach, new offense, new defense, new GM. A lot of changes have happened for the Bears. And they went 6-11 and last year with a whole different regime and a rookie quarterback who was thrown to the Wolves. To me, if the Bears do anything better than 6-11, and anything does not matter, they're going to be fine. And it's going to look so good for them. I'm saying 10-7 right now, and even that surprises me. But again, I wanted to do this live for you. I did not look at the schedule prior to this video. This is all first reaction, gut reaction, just for you. Look, based on gut reaction here in mid-May, based on all these teams and what they did last year and what their expectations are for this year, the Bears have a shot to not only go over 500, but potentially contend, maybe not get, but contend for a playoff spot. That's pretty damn surprising. I'll tell you. That's very surprising. Maybe I'll look like a fool in five or six months. Maybe they'll be seven and 10 or five and 12, and I'll be criticizing them every week. <laughs> but based on what I see right now, based on all these teams and where they expect to be, this could be a positive year for the Bears, which is surprising. Again, I'm pinching myself right now, even saying this stuff. I'm shocked, but it's true to an extent. We don't know what's going to happen. Go through the list one more time. 49ers, that'll be a win, 1-0. Green Bay, 1-1. One one. Texans, 2-1. Giants, 3-1. Minnesota, 3-2. Commanders, 4-2. New England, 4-3. Dallas, 4-4. Four four. Dolphins, 5-4. Lions, 6-4. Atlanta, 7-4. The Jets, 8-4. Then they got the Packers to 8-5, then into the bye week. Eagles, they'll lose eight and six. Bills lost eight and seven. Detroit win nine and seven. Then the Vikings a win at home in the last game of the season, 10 and seven. The games in which I could see flipping for the Bears right now are the ones that seem the most vulnerable. Could be the Dolphins, last game of the year with the Vikings, Eagles, and Atlanta. So you got four games that are total toss-ups, really. And that's going to determine the success or lack thereof for this season, for the Bears. 
That means if they won all those games, I could see them winning 11 games. If they lose all those, they're back to six. And that's the beauty of football. A bounce here, a bounce there, and you could be at a 10-7 and seven record or 7-10. and 10. So I'm unsure of how this is all going to play out. I'll do another schedule video as we get closer to the season and we find out more about who's where, which player signed places. We'll do it again. But right now in mid-May, I'm thinking the Bears will go 10-7. and seven. Am I crazy? If I am, come and tell me. But am I crazy? Seriously. When you look at this schedule, the Bears had a pretty good draw for this season. Very good draw compared to last year's especially. I don't know. It's very interesting, though, to see how this all played out with their schedule. Oh, by the way, throughout the month of December, they're not even going to play on the road. They're going to be exclusively at home. That's another positive. It's a weird schedule this year, but also beneficial in some senses. There's a lot to determine, though, and we all know that. That's why at the beginning of this video, I gave you a disclaimer. <laughs> we don't know anything yet. I could sit here and say 10 wins today and 7 tomorrow based on a move, a corresponding move that the Bears make or another team makes, one of their opponents makes. We don't know. And we won't know until games are played. But right now, based on their opponents, based on how the schedule shakes out, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears finish over 500, if they win 10 games. And again, think about the significance of this. Just a few months ago, we're talking about a new GM, new head coach, second-year quarterback with a new offense, new players who are here in one-year deals, tons of roster overhaul and transition, dead cap, new cap. There have been a lot of moves. This team, to their credit, has been very active. And things are somewhat looking up. Got to give credit where it's due for the moment. The Bears aren't looking too bad right now. And that all goes to Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and company. They could be in a much worse position. They got a decent schedule. And they've made tons of moves. None that I like, or some I don't like, but at the end of the day, they did these to help out the team. That's what they think, at least. I still would like more wide receiving help for Justin Fields. But free agency isn't over. Trades, franchise tags, all that stuff is still in play at this point. Wait till free agency number two in June. The Bears may not be done yet. It could be, but maybe not. So it'll be interesting to see and watch. But as of right now, don't be shocked if the Bears play better than 6-11. and 11. For once, there's an optimistic tone to that statement. It's possible, based on this schedule, the Bears could actually pull it off. To come with Mark Potash in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago.
Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglorla, we have back and ready for today's special guest. He's the Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's covered Chicago sports for 30-plus years. Please welcome Mark Potash to the program. Mark, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. Second time. Really excited to have you on. What did you make of the Bears draft, first off? Well, I thought it was very prudent. Uh, it kind of is consistent with uh, Ryan Poles. You know, he's kind of doing this his own way. And if you're, you know, it's very hard to differentiate the excitement uh, that you have of the newness of Poles uh, from the excitement we felt for Ryan Pace uh, seven years ago. And I think, uh, I think one way I think you can do that is is to see where well, Poles might have a better chance. Is he just seems like I said a little more prudent, a little more. Um, uh, just doing things his way and being really true to what he wanted to do. And I think this draft, the first two, you know, with all the excitement about trying to get a receiver and the, the obvious need to get a receiver, he resisted that temptation and 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 took two defensive backs, which I, I admit I was not really big on that once once upon a time when in the at the height of the of the uh, Fangio defense. I felt like, you know, if, if you're good up front, you can make good defensive backs. I disagree with my, I, I totally changed it now after seeing last year when they like had led the league in sacks and, and, and also in touchdown passes allowed. I, I, I totally agree with the idea of fortifying that secondary definitely needed it. And I thought that was a really smart move. So I think he's really, I think he, I think that's just one area where I think you can say, hey, this guy might, you know, if you want to make the case that, you know, a lot of times it's it's silly to me that you think the, the same excitement you felt you feel about polls is the same excitement you felt about pace. But I think this there are there are very little things, subtle subtle things that I think are indicators that hey, if my, I guess my point is if he and I know we're talking a little off track here, but if, if he gets success, he will have a better chance to sustain success. And I've seen enough instances where. That can happen. And this this draft, without having a first-round pick, is one of those flags. How do you feel about those two defensive picks? Do you think they make an impact right away for the Bears? Well, I think they do. I'll be honest. I'm not a draft, Nick. I don't know much about them at all, so I have no idea how good they will be. Um, but just the, the fits seem good, and also they are being introduced into a defense where everyone else is being introduced into a defense. So they are learning from scratch, which is almost an advantage. And, and I think that also kind of portends to their early uh, impact. Uh, frankly, I think Brisker, for some reason, just what I've read about Brisker, what I know about him, seemed, uh, most people think uh, that Gordon will be the, is the, you know, the better player, the more skilled player. I think Brisker is the one to watch. I think he can have on that defense – with the way they use that safety uh, in the box, uh, uh, you know, deeper in the field, you know, in pass protection, you know, I mean, in pass defense, I think, I think every way, I think Brisker has a chance to make really the bigger, the bigger impact. But I think they both will. I think they're both destined to start, and uh, and I think that, and and uh, and I think that, like I said, I think it's a good start. Who knows how good their defense will be? But I think that's a good way to start. Uh, I, I totally approve of that. We all know about the wide receiving need, but did you think that this was a responsible move by Ryan Poles to go through the secondary? That was a big hope of the Bears last year, too. As far as, you know, not reaching for a receiver? Well, right. it was kind of too bad that they didn't have the first-round pick because that's where you need to get the wide receiver. <laughs> Timing is everything. Um, you know, I mean, look at Pace. I mean, if Pace has three picks higher, he gets he gets Amari Cooper and not Kevin White. That makes a big difference in the, for the Bears. Bigger difference than you think, to tell you the truth. Timing is everything. And this was the draft to get a wide receiver early. But after that run, maybe not. So you kind of trust his judgment there. Um, 
yeah, they do have issues. And they actually, you know, if you want to uh, criticize uh, polls, you know, he kind of reached uh, uh, for Vellis Jones because that guy uh, was the 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 uh, uh, consensus was that he would be drafted in the 150s and he or, or the or beyond 100. I know that. And and uh, of, mo- of most mock drafts or analysts. And he was taking 71st. Now, who knows who's, who's, who's right on that? But the point is, you can make the argument that he did reach for that. And definitely, uh, Bayless Jones, you know, his, his, um, his numbers, his college numbers are the same as Javon Wims, who was a seventh-round pick who busted uh, and did not work out with the Bears. Now, they're not the same prospect. I'm just saying it's not like he got one of those receivers with 1,000 yards, you know, from Alabama or LSU or whatever. And, and, and got, so I think you can argue that was a little bit of a reach. But, again, in a new offense where he's learning with everybody else, I think, uh, you know, everybody's got a chance. So, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I can't say I'm sold on that. I don't know enough about the receiver or the, the with the Bears off. There's just too many unknowns to predict what's going to happen. I just think the idea of if you're going to reach, reach in the third round, not the first not the first or second. I, I think that's, that's a good tack. Do you think they did enough to help out Justin Fields in this draft? Well, that's a big question. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to, it's a fair question. It's a good question. I, my personal feeling is they're putting everything on Luke Getzey. It's, I, it's, it's his job to, uh, you know, get receivers open, protect the quarterback and design an offense that, uh, that, that works uh, no matter who the receivers are. Should they, would it be, would they be better off if they had a go-to guy like an Allen Robinson? I think absolutely. I think that's the one safety valve every quarterback needs or develops. On the other hand, if this offense is good enough that he will develop that relationship with a Darnell Mooney, maybe a Byron Pringle. I don't know. That's wishful thinking, but Mooney definitely fits, fits that bill. Um, as far as a guy who could be a, a go-to number one receiver, a lot of these go-to guys were not go-to guys when they came into good offenses, but they had a good quarterback, a good offense, and they became that. A lot of these guys are second and third round draft picks. These very best receivers, Devontae Adams, you know, being one of them. So I think I'm not as, I'll be honest, I, I'm not as crazy about that or, or concerned about that because I think they're putting their trust in the offense. And also I will say this, I keep saying it, but, uh, not to disparage Matt Nagy any more than anyone else has, but we are all scarred by how bad that offense was. And I think that has colored everybody's vision of what these players, what the players are and how good they are. We've seen, I, I think I said the last time there, we've seen the worst version of everybody in that offense. And so let's see what happens when you get somebody who maybe can design an offense that creates the conflict of assignment, gets receivers open without them having short area quickness. You know, that happens. Slower, slower receivers get open in good offenses. You know what I'm saying? Just the way they're designed. And I but I guess my point is they're putting all their faith in Luke Getze to make an offense. In fact, I asked Luke, I think. No, yeah, I asked him that very question. You know, everybody's nervous about this wide receiver core. What do you think? And he said, well, you know, Devontae Adams wasn't Devontae Adams until he became Devontae Adams. And I think it's a really, it's a good point. And, 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 and the point is, yeah, just what I said, you know, you can, you can, a good offense will make receivers and, a, and they have a good quarterback. They're not hoping this is Justin Fields. This is the guy who should, doesn't, no guarantees, but should be good. There's they're in the right starting point for them to, uh, to have a good, a good enough, a good enough offense to your original question for Justin Fields to develop. I, I, frankly, that's not a concern of mine. And a lot of it is a little bit of blind faith and that, 
a GM with a with an offensive line background, he's gonna let he's gonna set his quarterback and let his quarterback hang him out to dry like that with a no, with a bad offensive line. I don't think so. You're trusting his judgments. So I think on that if on, on on the protection front and on the weapons front, I just think you got to put your faith in Luke Getzey and, and 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 Ryan Poles that they you know they got the right guys and we'll see. So I, I know I didn't really answer the question, but that's but that's where we are. A lot of unknowns and. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that oh they they're they're they they're setting him up to fail when I think they still have a process by which he can succeed. I don't I don't think they're being negligent. I guess that's my point. How yeah. close is Darnell Mooney to becoming a bona fide number one wide receiver? What's he still need to do? Um, I think he needs to be in a better offense. I'll be honest. I think he has every he shows every uh, for a fifth round draft pick. Now, I think he does probably have a lower ceiling than maybe some people think, to tell you the truth, because I think that, again, the same thing, just like you're scarred by a bad offense. When somebody does excel, you think they're better than they are. So, you know, I don't think I don't think he's going to be Tyreek Hill uh, or that kind of guy. But uh, and I don't know if he'll ever be that number one receiver. To tell you the truth, you know that that number one go-to guy. I just see him as being very, very productive in a good offense because he's so versatile. He's so versatile. He learns well. He understands the position. He understands the nuances of what it takes to be a good receiver. And in an Andy Reid offense, he's a really productive player because you know you, that. But he was in just the opposite. So I'm not sure exactly technically what he has to do because I think he has everything. He he can run short routes. He can catch the ball and run. He can go deep. He can be that guy who's wide open when Justin Fields is scrambling around like crazy, uh, like, uh, uh, like Patrick Mahomes is he'll be that guy who's wide open in the end zone. And, and he, he's got the speed to do that, but he's also got the speed to take the, a, a, a short pass and turn it into a big play, uh, which Hill does. So, uh, so I, 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 technically I really can't answer that question because I just don't know enough about the position. All I'm saying is in, in the right position, he can be a, uh, a number one guy, but I just don't know. Uh, there are different levels of number one guys, you know? So uh, I think he'd be good. I can think he'd be good enough, but I think, I think he, no matter how good he is, I think this, this it'll, it'll still leave bears fans wanting more and wanting another guy to develop. You, you definitely, you'll definitely need another, uh, another number one guy. Uh, I think with him, do you think anybody on this roster today could be that second number one guy or not really? I don't see anything, you know, who, you know, who knows. It's hard. It's a, that's Jen. It's a hard question to answer because it's just like, depending on how good the quarterback, a good core, a good quarterback can make almost anybody a, a really productive guy. Daz Newsom in the right offense can be a really productive guy. I've seen enough <laughs> of him film on him to know that, in, you know, that he could be that guy, but I, I could, I'll be honest. I could never predict that. And this is a very, uh, I've called it the word I keep coming back to with the bears roster is not a script. And that's not to disparage them. They're not bad. They're just not known. They're not proven. We just don't know anything about them. And that's the whole roster just about, uh, but, but particularly for the wide receiver core. So I, 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 sorry to give you a non-answer, but I just, I can't pick anybody right now. Byron Pringle was really good with Patrick Mahomes. You know, he could be less productive in this. They probably will be less productive in this offense. Um, just like St. Brown or any of these guys who, who, who stick. So, uh, so that I guess what I'm saying is just a huge X factor. We just really don't know, and it's all. And I keep coming back and say it's all on the offense. It's all on the quarterback. How do they develop the quarterback? The offense is going to have to make the weapons right at this point. That's what they're counting on. That's their whole thing. And you know we'll see if they're right. But again, they've got a good year. This is a totally different subject. But they've given themselves kind of a free year to find all these things out. And then next offseason, when they have the money. And when they have draft capital and bet with a first round pick and they have more uh, salary cap uh, room, 
then they can go and get, then they'll know what they have. But they're not, I think that's kind of a point I made in my story today in the paper is that one thing that polls did that pay, uh, that one polls, polls did not do that pasted was he didn't sign some name guy just to give you a name guy. He didn't sign an Antrell role. He didn't sign a, a, um, an Eddie Royal, somebody who kind of gives you a name. Hey, this guy's produced. And really all he, all those guys did what they got in the way of, of developing players. And so he, he, he's, he, to me, he's like almost a whole year ahead of pace as far as clearing out the roster and giving himself this year to figure out what it is. And then next year we can ask a lot of these questions will be a lot better a year from now. I'll tell you the truth, not to beg off the question, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is this is kind of a free year for them. And then they've done that by trading Matt, not signing Hicks, getting rid of Goldman, cleaning out the roster, right move, wrong move. I, I can't say if to me, it seems like I, I'll go back to the same thing I said at the beginning. Prudent. It seems like it's the right move, but also it 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 um it, it gives you it puts you uh, in a, 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 a totally developmental year, and that's what they that's fr- frankly that's what the Bears need. They need a restart. Mark Potash here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, how big of a jump do you expect out of Justin Fields come next year? Well, it all depends on the offense, but if it is, I expect a big jump. If they protect him. And if they give him uh, uh, and, and they develop him, this is all in development. And, and I think that's one thing we saw last year is he wasn't going to carry a bad offense. He won't make a bad offense good, but I think he'll make a good offense great. I think he's I think he's good enough to do that. And so we'll see. And again, I go back to the same thing. If this offense can do it. Now, remember, we had very high hopes for Matt Nagy when he came in in the offense. <laughs> Now, you know, now I think in, uh, now that we've seen uh, over time, we can, you can argue that Luke Getz, even though he was only a quarterback's coach slash passing game corner, he might actually have better credentials. And even though he also had Aaron Rodgers, he might actually have better credentials than kind of being Andy Reid's right-hand man. You know what I'm saying? We never really knew exactly how much Matt Nagy had to do with that offense. And, and I just sense, and again, this is, I'm, maybe I'm getting caught up in the wishful thinking, but I just sense from talking, from everything I've heard and talking to Getsy is that uh, he was much more uh, integral to, uh, to their success than maybe Nagy was in Kansas City. So you, same situation, you're hoping for a new guy to, bring, to, to, to invigorate an offense uh, with design. And um, I just, I, I, I have a little better hope that he can do it, but I had hope that Nagy could do it too. So I, I can't, I, you know, you know, you know, that's, that's where we are. What's going to be your criteria in judging fields progress next year? Are you going to look at numbers or the eye test? What, what are you going to do? I just want to see how well he improves, how well, how, how well he learns. This is all a learning process. You need, you need players who learn well. They, uh, the, like I said, uh, Fields was, is not a magician. He was not, uh, except for the one play against San Francisco, he was not going to do this totally on his own, no matter how the off, how, how bad the offense was. And so, um, uh, yeah, I'll, um, I, 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 it's a good question. I really haven't really thought about it. So I don't have a good answer for you, but I just want to see him improve. I want to see him make a mistake and then not make a mistake. I want to see him improvise. I want to see him make plays that even Luke Getzey doesn't, doesn't have designed in the offense. You know, I want to see how well he can, make a, make a play. But my biggest thing is all with almost any superior athlete is how well do they learn? And that's, I think that's the key. And, uh, and, and there are different ways of doing that, but I think improvisation, uh, I think, uh, uh, eliminating mistakes, turning nothing into something, um, and keeping your head downfield, finding the, I guess, I guess 
I want to see him find the open guy late. Trubisky could not do that. How many times did you see somebody post a screenshot on Twitter of some guy wide open? And sometimes they were misleading, but sometimes they weren't, where a guy was wide open and Mitch was so locked into one player or another, he was just so mechanical that he couldn't find him. I want to see in this offense, almost in any offense, especially in this offense, I want to see uh, Justin Fields find the open guy late. That would be that would be my number one thing. How ugly do you expect next year to be? Is there a possibility that it doesn't go as planned? No, it's going to be a first-year offense. The only, way, the only way it's ugly is if Justin Fields uh, gets hurt or just doesn't develop. And other, other than that, like I said, it's a free year. You've got a playable schedule that I think the Bears will want to play like three years from now. You know, that they will really think, hey, they, I said, this is a schedule that a good team would really want. And, and so they, uh, which is okay, it's, it's fine. I mean, they could surprise. I, I always say never underestimate, underestimate the mediocrity of the NFL. I've said that for years. You never know. You catch the Packers when they're on the way down, like most winning Bear teams have done. That's why they win is because the Packers are done. You catch them, uh, you know, Devontae Adams leaves. Who knows how that, you know, coaches leave. You know, they've tried to keep Aaron Rodgers at maybe this is the breaking point. I know we've said that for many years, so I'm not counting on that. But I'm saying that happens. You've got uh, you've got the Lions still rebuilding and they're I said I think they're a team to watch. I think they're, they're, they get it now. And, I, and 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 the Vikings are kind of a step, half step ahead of the Bears where they have a better roster, but they're also kind of rebuilding and restarting. And so th- there's nothing, you know, except for the Packers, if the Packers, unless the Packers our status quo, there's nothing that is that prohibitive from them being a surprise team. So I don't think it's going to get that ugly, to tell you the truth, unless these guys are like totally incompetent and we're being totally fooled again. I think this is a playable schedule. Uh, I think he is in a best position possible where he has he has a, 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 a fresh start on offense and defense instead of this herky jerky thing where you've got a really great offense and a totally developing uh, a really great defense, totally developing offense, or you've got Jay Cutler, instead of a, you know, a Jay Cutler, you know, you can't win with instead of a developing quarterback. And then I think that's kind of, those have been kind of impediments to progress under Fox and, and Tressman and, and, and Nagy. And I think they've got, this is clean. This is a clean rebuild. And I think this gives them a better chance uh, to maybe be better than people think. I'm not guaranteeing, but what I'm saying is to your original question is, Hey, um, uh, they can go, they can go, they can win three games and it might not be ugly. You know, I wrote about today about what I call the sweet spot of bad. That's what they're looking for. And that's where you play poorly. You, you, you lose games, but you still you keep your quarterback upright and you uh, and you develop your quarterback. And that gives you a high draft pick and a developing quarterback, a developing offense. I said the, 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 the supreme example is the 98 Colts. They had a first number one overall pick in in Peyton Manning. He they won three games, but he was sacked only 22 times the second lowest in the league. And, and he would, and even then he was not a mobile quarterback. That's pretty good. And, 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 and he developed and that gave them the fourth pick in the draft, which they used for Edger and James, a hall of future hall of famer. And they were off and running. That's how you do it. And I'm not saying that's the only way to do it because that's, it's, it's a little cherry picking, but that's an example of what the sweet spot of bad is. This is that's which are going to be a bad team. It doesn't always have to be ugly. And, and, and it's, and I think that's an important thing for the bears is to, is to uh, just make progress even when you're not winning games. So, so anyway, that you know, I, I just I, I just think that's where they are as far as the getting. When you say getting ugly, I think I think the key is to 
is to uh, even if you're not winning games to prevent it from, from being ugly. And, and, and we'll see, I mean, we don't know anything about this offensive line, but like I said, I, I will be totally mystified why polls would leave his offensive line in a lurch like that when he's an offensive line. That's his thing. So uh, you got to believe that they're going to be able to do that. So I don't know how ugly it can get. We, I've been a bears fan for long enough and I've covered the bears long enough that I know it can get pretty ugly, but I just think they're in a good spot for, like I said, a clean rebuild for them to, uh, to avoid that. Well, their schedule is pretty favorable too, based on what we've seen come out based on the past years. I mean, is there a possibility even for a above 500 record or a playoff appearance based on how everybody else does with this schedule? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the schedule allows for it. Now the schedule can be very uh, deceiving uh, because there've been, I remember when I first covered the bears in the nineties, there was a couple of years where I think they had when you looked at the schedule and, and, and you, the strength of schedule based on the previous year's record, it was one of the toughest schedules in the league. And it ended up being one of the easiest or, or, the, or flip-flop or the other way around. But it was from one extreme to the other because teams, you know, there are, there are five or six teams that go from four or five wins to the playoffs every year on average. I looked it up. There are at least four or five teams every year that didn't make the playoffs or, or were under 500 and then made the playoffs. So you don't know if you're going to be that team or if anyone else is. But so you, you can't really... Go, it's hard to go by the schedule. On paper, though, the schedule looks very playable. And uh, if the Bears, but the Bears are one of those teams that everybody else is saying, hey, we only have to play the Bears. You know, the Bears are a playable team for everybody else. So uh, you know, everybody else is picking the Bears when they do their win, loss, win, loss. The Bear game, I looked it up. Everybody's picking the, the, the Bear game to be their team's win. Even the Falcons and the and the, the Texans, believe it or not, and the Lions and the Vikings. Everybody's got the you know the Bears as their win. Well, maybe the Bears are going to be you know who is, but that's that's what the NFL is all about. You know, it's like I said, never underestimate the mediocrity of the NFL. Are you a part of it or you do you benefit by it? And and that's all. That's always the ongoing question. So to answer your question, which I think it was, was if they were a surprise team and challenged for a playoff spot, that's not a bad way to, I mean, yeah, if they, if they get caught in that no man's land where they, where they don't get a good draft pick and don't make the playoffs, that's not as damaging. Now you can still find a good player, uh, but they could, they you know they could, they could be a surprise contender. We have no idea what these guys can do uh, uh, on offense or defense. It's a total, to me, um, it's, it's a, a total X factor. And so, um, so, so I really don't know, but yeah, can they be, I'm not talking, I'm not saying they're 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 destined to be to be a three win team. It just looks that way when you look at the raw, and that's an interesting thing. I kind of wrote about that too earlier the last week or so. Is when you look at the addition, the subtractions and additions. When you look at Mac, Hicks, Goldman, uh, James Daniels, your best lineman, you 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 let him go. Allen Robinson, and then you look at the additions, the rookies. You know, Brisker, Gordon, Velas Velas Jones. Uh, the, you know, the, the, again, nondescript free agents, Justin Jones, you know, uh, Lucas Patrick, when you look at the pluses of my, the bears have a worse roster today than they had when, when Ryan Pace was fired. I mean, on paper, they do, they have a worse roster, but they have more room for growth. And that's, that's the unknown factor I'm talking about that we just don't know. So it's kind of an interesting situation where the bears went what five, six and 11 last year, they have a worse roster. They could probably, they could end up with a better record. How are you going to judge Ryan Poles next year and in the years to come? Well, I want to see. Uh, uh, um, I guess. I guess I want, I want to see uh, how he uses uh, what he should have. You know, the greater salary cap space and and draft capital, and see what he attack. I see. I want to see what he attacks when he really is going for it. This year, he was just cleaning house. I mean, obviously, his biggest 
His biggest free agent was Larry Ogunjobi, who didn't even sign. And Larry <laughs> Ogunjobi was like the most proven guy, but he was still, he was, um, uh, he was uh, lower. He, he was what he would be a, a, a lower level uh, free agent in previous. Uh, you know, he, he was, he's less, he was worse, not worse, but he was lower profile than Pernell McPhee, right? That, that was Pace's first, first guy. But anyway, they didn't even get him. So, I mean, th- this was just totally cleaning house. And, and so this is, it's a new ball game next year. So you're almost rejudging him. And this could look even more prescient as a strategy next year if he depending on how he uses does he go for it and remember with all this cap space that he's got a lot of people you know you say you can't buy your way into success and that's true but a lot of this cap space theoretically will be used to sign Jalen Johnson to sign Darnell Mooney those if theoretically if those guys take a big jump in this office they're going to be guys you want to resign so it's not so much getting uh, part of it is going to be getting the top tier free agents one or two next year. Will he be able to do that? But it's also paying. Does he pay the right guys? Pay started out doing that at the end with uh, with um, Eddie Jackson. He did not. But at the beginning, when he sat resigned Hicks, he resigned Goldman. He got a lot of bang for his buck. Those are really. But that, but everything changed. And that that brings on not to go on too long here. But that brings on a whole nother thing is no matter how good he is now. How how good how much will he be able to sustain it? Because the tendency is for people they get kind of enveloped by the uh, dysfunction at Hell's Hall and they just become a lesser version of themselves as they go on. That's been the history. So again, we don't know. But to answer your question, well, I'll be looking to see just how well he he takes how well does he do as far as his strategy. Uh, he's he wants to see what he's got now, including the quarterback. He wants to see what he's got. It's like next year is like his rookie year all over again, as far as I'm concerned, because it's a totally different ball game. Now he's trying to actually build a winner instead of just getting the pieces in place. You didn't mention David Montgomery as far as people who could get re-signed. Yeah, uh, uh, just because I keep forgetting about David Montgomery. Absolutely. In this offense, in this offense, he could be a big factor. Although I sense in this offense, it might be almost like the Green Bay thing where they get two kind of star running backs. So it might not be like he's like the, 1200 yard rusher you have to sign or whatever he could actually it could be one of those things where one of them is expendable could be Khalil Herbert could be him you know so so I I guess maybe I didn't mention him because I just don't see him as as uh as necessary at a high level as a receiver let's say or something like that but yeah no absolutely he's he's another guy you might need to resign I really I like him he's a good player he's a guy who, who who succeeded in a bad offense so there's uh so yeah he would definitely be a candidate Another one of those breakout guys like Mooney and Jalen Johnson, to, you know, to be resigned. Absolutely. What to come with Mark Potash in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Mark Potash still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, Twitter. Why do you troll on there? I want to hear the story. Oh, I, I don't know. Just because uh, I'm a jerk, I guess. I, I can't. I, I don't know. Uh, it's just fun. It, I, um, uh, I haven't really thought about it. A lot of people talk about it and stuff. Yeah, I'm just joking around. It, to me, it's a playground. It's like the playground. You get in fights. You have fun. You play silly games. And that's what it is to me. It's, uh, it's fun watching a game on Twitter, like when you're watching a game and commenting and stuff like that. Uh, the only problem, of course, now is that, you know, 
it just gets a little too over the top. And uh, sometimes I regret, oh, there's many times I regret. Uh, I delete a lot of things and stuff like that. Cause I'd like everybody else. I do things uh, half cocked and, and, and it turned it, and it turns bad and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, it's a weird thing because I'm 63 years old. I really have zero grasp of modern technology, including computers. It's a miracle that I figured out this, zoom thing just to be on here but i i can kind of fit you know but i but i, I can kind of figure it out so i kind of have an idea how to do twitter but not really so it's a little dangerous you know sometimes so but anyway yeah that's i just uh, you know it's no it's it's all in fun uh but it's hard to get all in fun in in a, a, expressed in a tweet you know especially when it goes that's the thing the other thing i did get about twitter when i'm on twitter i feel like i'm talking to a bunch of friends and i don't realize like a little group of guys that, you know, do a bunch of grab ass and you know, stuff like that, just having fun, you know, but that's the way I see it in my mind. But I don't realize that when you tweet something, even if it's just to people who follow you, it goes to be, it can go all over the place. It goes to people who don't get your sense of humor. And so that's why when people come back at me, I never, I rarely, I never really try and engage. I definitely don't know if it's somebody who just didn't get it because I don't blame them. I see things on Twitter. I go crazy over it. Oh, I didn't realize the guy was just kidding. You know, so I do that too. So yeah. I'm not real comfortable with it. Tell you the truth. I enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> I get a kick out of it, but it's just me being like 17 again. So it's it, it, the older you get, the more you really uh, embrace that kind of, that kind of thing. What's the biggest regret you've had by putting something on Twitter? Um, you know, well, I'd have to think about that. I'm really bad at that, but there have been times there was, um, um, oh man, I can't think of it. I wish I, I wish I was prepared for this question because there was a couple of weeks ago, there was a time where, oh, I know what it was. Um, I had made a point and I made a point, which I think was a good point, And it was a, but it was a nuanced point about the NBA playoffs. It was when, it was when, um, Chris Middleton got hurt and Bobby, Bobby Portis got hurt in that game against the Bulls. They lost and it looked like it had turn the, the series. If Portis is out also with Middleton, the Bear, the Bulls were the better team in that game and looked like they might actually win the series. And so I was just pointing out that last year, um, the Suns and the Suns and Bucks both benefited because they were the healthiest teams at the end. In other words, Chris Paul got hurt in the conference finals, but he was there for the finals. He got him there. And, and, and Giannis got hurt in an earlier round, but he was there at the end. And the healthiest teams were the ones that were alive. In, order that, in other words, if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't get hurt, if Jalen Brown, I think it was, doesn't get hurt for Boston, uh, if, if, uh, if uh, James Harden doesn't get hurt, I, think, I don't think the Suns and the Bucks would be in the final, would have been in the final. That's just my opinion. I think the, the Lakers would have won, and I think the, the, the Nets would have won. Well, anyway, I was just making the point that they were, the, I said they were the healthiest teams at the end, and I got all sorts of blowback because people knew that Giannis got hurt. How can you, it sounded like a stupid tweet, you know, but the point was, the point was, and I, I just didn't have the time to explain it. The point was the two teams that were healthiest at the end were the teams that benefited. So I think it was a good point, And I think you're seeing it. Both teams got knocked out in the second round. Um, one, because a player got, one of their players got hurt and the other, because the other team's best player, uh, Doncic didn't get hurt. You know I mean? Nobody else. Like, the health is a big fan. So anyway, I think my point was right, but I deleted it. I got such blowback from it and they were right in the context they were seeing it in that, but so, so that was, that's not one of those things where you do like you're going to get fired or something like that, but that was just a, it was a bad tweet because 
it was nuanced and I didn't have time to explain. I still think my point is well taken. I'll, I'll be honest. I think, I think the, I think the health was, I think the, the sons and, and net and bucks last year were, were beneficiaries of, of good fortune and, and not to disparage them. They, you know, they, the bucks won it and the sons got to the final, but I think that was a big factor. I think, I, th- I think we've seen not to belabor this, but I think we've seen in the playoffs as opposed to in my era of the eighties hall of famers, you're seeing many more superstars get hurt in the game. Now guys n- hardly ever missed time. Jordan never got hurt. Carl uh, 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 Malone never got hurt. Uh, guys, Magic Johnson never got hurt. Larry Bird until the end never got. I mean, these guys just never miss games. Now they do, so it's a bigger factor now. Anyway, we're going. I'm going on. A, the question was, do I regret anything? I regret what's what? Off that. That's when I regret because it was because the people who were blow were blown back at me were right in the context they were seeing it, and I felt bad about that. But I still. But again, it was a nuanced point. I should have. You know, I, I didn't. That's my biggest. Sorry to go on like that, but that's my biggest thing with Twitter is that you. Um, the best thing for me on Twitter is when they went from 140 to 200. Is that what it was? <laughs> they went to one, when it was 140, you can't, I can't make points very well. I need, but 280, but sometimes you need even more than 280. And I haven't quite figured out the whole thread thing. So I couldn't explain myself. So I regretted that. But again, that, you know, sorry. But that, anyway, hopefully that answered your question. That, that, that was a great job of answering the question. Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes covering this Bears team and looking forward to catching up very soon once again. John, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, uh, congratulations on all your success and and uh, and your show and everything you're doing. You do a great job. I, I, lo- I love it. And uh, anytime you want uh, you want to talk uh, talk Bears or any sports, uh, just give me a call. Great talk there with Mark Potash, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Mark Potash himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, to Marvel Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z Gluel. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show. Come to it tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turds?